This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Episode 9, The Unraveling, Part 2 is over, but we're just getting started over here at Post Show Recaps. Welcome back, my friends. It is I, Rich Filiberto, DM Philly out here on the internet. Back with you again, one more week, talking about Yellowstone, airing now over on CBS on Sunday nights. I, of course, am not alone. I am joined by the only ranch hand I would have here at my ranch. Grace Leader, how are you? Well, why'd you take me off the payroll? I'm off the payroll, Rich. What the heck? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I figured oh, once man. we branded you that we didn't have to pay you anymore. Also, so I'm tied know. up to this tree with a noose around my neck. Everything oh, good. no, that's <laughs> wrong. That was not supposed to be you. We were supposed oh. to do that to Josh Wiggler. That's my mistake. Oh, perfect. Yeah. perfect, perfect. He's been perfect. menacing me at defense, and I don't like oh, it. Yeah, I feel yeah, bad yeah. about that, Grace. 
fair, fair, fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, the finale. I've done it. I've watched the season of Yellowstone, Rich. You sure have. You're closing in. You're getting closer to me every day. That's one season of Yellowstone down. This is part two of the season one finale. Um, of course, you could catch all of the Post Show Recaps Yellowstone coverage. PostShowRecaps.com slash Yellowstone is our RSS feed. All yeah. of these are going up live on YouTube every Monday after the episodes air on Sunday night over at CBS. That's it, Grace. That was the second half. That, that's season one. What'd you think? Yeah, I I thought the finale has its ups and downs. I thought that there is a moment that I was genuinely stunned by. For the most part, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a fine finale. Um, we don't really, we aren't cliffhangery. Um, we're pretty like rope hangery. <laughs> I mean, that is that is the moment. That is the moment. For the most part, I do feel like it doesn't it 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 you know for it not being cliffhangery it also raises more questions than it does answers and i feel like the satisfying a satisfying finale does both can do both where it should feel like it does wrap up the story you've been trying to tell for the season which i don't really think it does and then also yeah throw some new you know wrenches in the mix i don't know if that's a metaphor um yeah. should have used a cowboy one um th- you know, a new stallion in the mix. I, I feel like, yeah, it 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 does a lot of that latter stuff in terms of obviously there'll be repercussions to what they do to Dan Jenkins. Jamie is off the payroll. Beth is in the trust. Uh, you know, John thinks he's probably dying. Um, you know, for the most part, I thought it maybe was, um, you know, it's funny if this was like airing on TV, which it is, but if this was like, you know, season two isn't out yet. I'm like, you know, uh, a little disappointing. The fact that I know that I can immediately go and watch the next episode makes actually it makes better, it right. Yeah, it does make yeah. it better, which yeah. is like not, you know, you know, in the in the when we watch TV, that's not typically how we're watching, you know, but mm-hmm. because I know that there's more, it's kind of fine. But at the same time, I think as a standalone episode, not my favorite. Hard left turn out of Yellowstone to Queens, New York, uh, Grace. Actually, Brooklyn, technically. But I, I was talking to you just a few days ago about how I watched Across the Spider-Verse, finally. Yes. And yes. I got to the end of the film. And I think it's a masterpiece and it's an extraordinary film. But I had no clue that they were doing a Dune thing here, where we get to the end. And it's just like, to be continued. It leaves us on a very definitive, like, this is not the whole story. Yeah. Like, it's a yeah. chapter. And I was a big defender of Dune when they went and did this. I think a lot of people get frustrated to go to a movie and feel like they're seeing half of it. Well, across the Spider-Verse, I was in the theater and people booed. And that's not because they were like, the movie was bad. The movie was so good. That it's people so were like, good. There's no yeah. more. There's no more. Like it was a visceral response. And I'd never seen that in the theater before. It's dev. Yeah. It was devastating to me. I can't lie. Like I yeah. just was so euphoric through the entire film watching experience. This is not a Spider-Man podcast, but well, Spider-Man and John Dutton maybe have more in common than either would want to admit. Nonetheless, as we get to like the end of it, and I have this shocking realization that like I'm not going to get a conclusion to the story I thought I was about to get a conclusion to it did leave me a bit frustrated that's the only thing that frustrated me about it more things frustrated me about yellowstone season one but there's a little bit of that energy like as i'm watching it now with the intention to sit down and talk to you about it i'm like oh gosh we left a lot 
in the air here. Like, yeah. I do think we close the threads on a couple of stories. And I think a few of our plot lines get like a little too rushed to their conclusion just within this kind of final hour of, of a nine hour season. Um, but we'll talk through it. I, I think like there's a lot to like here and I certainly had fun with it. And I, I'm sure we will have fun discussing it, Grace. So I'll give you a little bit of my short, long recap and then we can dive right in. Let's do it. Let us do it. So we are back on the cliff with the bear yet again, as John and Rip are meeting with Fish and Game one more time, trying to deal with the fallout from the hikers. John realizes that the sheriff is hiding evidence and forces him to admit it, uh, ultimately talking to Rip about how he feels like the county is turning on him. At the ranch, he's going to explain to Beth that he needs her to handle power of attorney because Jamie has chosen himself over them. He's going to go to meet with Governor Linnell, who ultimately wants him to step back back as head of the livestock commission he says they're gonna have to force him out and on its way out of the restaurant he spots jamie who he confronts quite aggressively john ultimately is going to tell rip he's not sure where all this pressure is coming from and that he's worried he may not have much time left uh beth goes to confront jamie at his campaign office and not long after sarah Nguyen will reveal herself to him explaining that he has a choice to contribute to her article or to be buried by it she says that she can reframe him as a new kind of politician in opposition to his father. Uh, ultimately, Rip goes and recruits a new cowgirl named Avery, who he sends to record a conversation between Dan Jenkins and Thomas Rainwater, bringing this conversation back to John. John is going to tell him he wants the problem to go away and never come back before he is gone from this earth. Uh, Avery's going to go meet with the boys at the bunkhouse, getting a full-time position here at the Yellowstone Ranch, and not long after, the sheriff ends up bringing Casey back home, where he will join the rest of the cow folk out on the ranch house. Uh, Monica, meanwhile, is finally back home with a young Tate who is not at all happy about their new situation. Jamie goes to Sarah Nguyen, presumably to give his interview, and Rip and the boys round up Dan Jenkins, who Casey leaves hanging from a rope on a tree in the mountain. Beth and John have a final conversation after dinner about their family being split up. He tells her it doesn't matter how many people are at the table, just that everyone has a place to sit. And Beth will explain that she's not doing this for a table. She's doing it for him. And once he is dead, she'll be the first to sell the table. Uh, Grace, where do you want to start? Do we start at the end? Do we talk about the table and the Beth and the John of it all? I do really like this table metaphor. It's one of the, I think, the really strong things about the finale, it and um, the Dan Jenkins stuff. I think that the the table I metaphor. Can imagine not to erupt, but I can imagine the writers' room where your dad Taylor Sheridan comes in and yeah. says, "Okay, I've got the finale. It's yeah. about a table, boys," yeah. and everybody's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> well, I, I agree. It's a really yeah. good metaphor. I yeah, love I, this idea. Like, it's not about who's sitting at it. It's the the idea that everybody has a seat. You know. Yeah, it's really strong. It's this idea that I think, you know, this idea of parenthood, you know, if you if you offer everything and they don't accept it, that's good enough. And I feel like it's a really again, I love um like thought processes or character beliefs where it, this is I think a, a fair view of how the world works that I offer you a table and there's a place for you to come. And yeah, you got to come to my house and sit at my table and eat my food. But like, you know, this is what I'm providing you rather than, you know, this is, there's like, um, you know, um, 
my family growing up, I had my brother's a very picky eater. And it was this annoying thing of like, you know, are, is my mom going to make like or my dad? My dad did a lot of cooking, too. I shouldn't put this fully on my mom. Like, are you going to make like three meals or are you going to make what you made? You know, mm -hmm. um, and I I think that um, I, I really just think this is great. And then Beth's response to it, like. I don't care if there's a place at the table for like, you know, Casey, I want Casey to be here. I'm, I'm selling the table. I don't care about the table. I really love this as a metaphor for how particularly how John views the world and what kind of a father he is. I think it's a really, really strong. It's one of the some of the strongest writing I've seen maybe in any television show. I think it's I think it's incredibly strong and a powerful metaphor. I keep uh, talking about it on the coverage here, but, you know, Taylor Sheridan's whole deal is he likes really simple stories. He likes the core of each episode to boil down to a pretty straightforward idea. And I think thematically, this is like the hook that the whole finale hangs on and season one as a whole. Right. I mean, this is the theme of what we've been going through. The notion that John Dutton is like, you know, people are going to come and people are going to go. But that ultimately he believes himself like a steward of this place. There is this responsibility that he feels to like the men who came before him, all the family in front of him, the family that are going to come after him to preserve and like protect this land as part of their heritage. And, and his like singular kind of defining role in the world is to do this thing. Right. So the notion that like he's hurt, that nobody is there, that it's just like him and Beth sitting there to eat this dinner and Beth is like sobbing. I mean, it's a pretty powerful scene as you're in this big space. That's like quite, empty and then they take it outside to an even bigger emptier space yeah. and the notion that he's like look like it's just all I can do is try to like preserve this place. All I can do is try to make sure that like it's here for you and for whoever's going to come afterwards. And like people are going to make their choices and they're going to come and go. It's not about who's here at any given moment. It's about like making sure that the seed is going to be here tomorrow. Right. Um, and this is like such the struggle of parenting. I think and the struggle of like so much of, of where we find ourselves in like the modern world of like making the life better, creating this opportunity for your children it's an idea that i think is less common like today grace in the 21st century but it used to be a bit of a foregone conclusion that like you're gonna go do what your parents did right yeah. like, and this notion that like his kids are branching off in all these different directions and that the only one who was a certainty to like hold that table for whoever was going to come next he died at the beginning of the season and is gone and john's yeah. going to make do with what's left and none of these pieces fit quite perfectly right uh into like his grand design of how to how to operate all of it the thing i love about the table too is that there's a way where this is like comes off as a very nice thing that he's saying and yet he's a complete hypocrite. He has kicked Jamie out. He's told him he can yes. never come back unless he yes. comes back and does exactly what he wants. He did the same thing to Casey. Um, he was manipulating basically Casey through Monica to be like, we need to make sure he's here. Cause if he's not, he's going to end up in jail or die. You know, it's like, he's, he's not, you know, this idea of like, you're always welcome under my home is, but it's, a, you know, again, it is like, as long as you eat the food that I prepare and you do the things I want you to do. So I, I do, I do love it. This idea that, you know, I do think that there are men of a certain age who, you know, that their idea of, of manhood and what it means to be a father is is dictated in one very specific way. It's it's doing what the people who were there before you did. And Obedience. Any yeah. And any deviation to that is is not right. But it's not 
you, you don't, you don't bend to meet them. It's like, well, you just make sure that like when they come back and they do what they need to do, like he is beat, he's beat up his son in multiple episodes, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I do also love that. Cause I, I think John Dunn is the most interesting character in the show. Like by far in terms of being someone who we've seen him be, you know, this kind, sweet grandfather. And also at the same time, sending men off to be shot and pushed off a the edge of a cliff, you know? So I, I love that the table metaphor, there's a way where when he says it, you're like, Oh yeah. Like what a, what a real man's man. That's so optimistic. Yeah. And also like, wow, what a hypocrite, you know, that's so so controlling. That is so manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's a really fascinating point. You know, Um, let's just talk through it all. I think, you know, you're spot on for me. The Kevin Costner performance is fantastic. I just love getting to see him. He, He seems to, really just bring something to this role that he's having fun with. He's a bit of like a cowboy himself that he's got this kind of ranch out there in the West. And I don't know, it's a very fun spot to watch him in. I just want to talk through some of the other folks that he's like engaged with across the finale here, but the whole dynamic that you're getting with like Linnell, governor Linnell, who was like, uh, you know, his kind of casual romantic partner there back on like the anniversary of his wife's death. Ultimately now he's got this political pressure coming in on him of, like the livestock association job. Uh, how are you feeling about this thread? And ultimately the way that it like drives to this confrontation with Jamie. I mean, the thing I like about it, I guess I, I, I don't love it, but I, but I think that the thing that's at least interesting here in terms of is a continuation of what we basically get in the first episode, which is, you know, you had Dan and Thomas, who are these external threats to John and and his legacy and his ranch and, you know, his, you know, his control, his power. And so Dan and Thomas really are the ones who feel like the most, you know, threatening to that. And, and you get that that amazing confrontation. I, I don't know if it's in the premiere, if it's in episode two, but on the golf course and on the ranch. It's so now, good. The framing of it is like so yeah. great. Sometimes like television or film does something visually that it really totally sticks with you, with right? Yeah. And it's yeah. just so, it's a tremendous vision. Yeah. Yep. So now that we have Dan off the board at the end of season one, I feel like, you know, they kind of are, I don't know if they're like totally seeding this. And, and part of me is like, a little bit less interested because it's like politics, but at least there's a way in which um, the stuff with Linnell does tie in Jamie maybe better than anything with Dan. We had some Dan and Beth stuff, obviously that was happening where Beth is going to try to like take over the, his company and might still be able to to do that. Although noticeably she holds on buying Dan's um, Dan's uh, stock. She's wait for it to drop a little bit more. So I'm wondering uh, if that's a, a point moving forward, but I do think you kind of need, a new Dan to a degree. Cause I, I think that to, you can't just have one external threat. And I also don't think like Thomas Rainwater as the chief of the, the tri- I don't think that's like a great, I know like John's antagonist. We yeah. don't like, like framing the native American trying to reclaim stolen land as like the villain here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. the governor, I feel like, you know, who is like, you know, she's, I think she's tied in better than Dan Jenkins was because there's the Jamie stuff. And now there's also the fact that she was with John. So I do think that in terms of setting that up as a little bit as like more opposition to John, as he's seeing like, and especially something that he seems to have such control over in the beginning of the show. Um, the fact that he does get like, from Saint Sam Elliott, who's like, dude, are you sick? And he's like, no, no, I'm I'm fine. Like, I did have cancer, but it's gone. I'm good. I'm gonna be head of the livestock association. And he obviously has wields a ton of influence in in the political sphere. Uh-huh. Now that that is waning, to me, that's interesting. So I feel like ties 
better into the show than as much as I, I like Dan Jenkins as a character. I thought this was like a really powerful way to like send him off and then ha- sort of loop in an, a new external threat to the Yellowstone ranch. A few things that I just want to dig in on here. I do love what you're talking about. I mean, you and I have been, uh, we've we've pretty much just about wrapped up the fall of Rome, mm-hmm. where we talk about uh, Rome, the HBO series Rome, every single day through the, <laughs> every weekday through October. But part of uh, what like was, was done so well there, and it's just a general writing device, is like, you want like three sides of your conflict, right? right. It's much like better when you don't have like a binary uh, good guy, bad guy dynamic happening. And there's a few different different players and you have like factions that are pushing against each other because the factions can move and like shift alliance the agendas and like the desires are sometimes going to align differently to reframe the orientation of that conflict and i think it's just an excellent device in in, like uh media when we're like writing stories as it were that being said the use of linnell as like the unsuspecting antagonist this hurdle that like comes from the place that like he's not expecting it from like his own bed to a degree i think is really really compelling and i have to be like thoughtful about how i talk in terms of like spoiling where we're going in the future but you know obviously we're reframing things with jamie in such a way that like he goes presumably to give that interview to sarah new by the end of it and like this is going to like reframe that relationship in a very different dynamic going forward right Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No that being said, I want to just before like we move too much away from John or whatever, I want to just dig into the John and Beth of it all a little bit more because I know early on, like I was indexing really high on Kelly Riley, uh, Beth Dutton as like this explosive, over the top, volatile, very unpredictable character, right? She's like the agent of chaos in a way that a lot of these boys are, and, and a breath of fresh air as like a really powerful female role in like a male dominated cast, right? So I know that you were not as high as I was early on. How are you feeling about? their relationship or like just Beth in general as we're closing out season one. Yeah. I think if I have to put a finger on it, it is like the idea that she's the one that he sees all of this, not potential in, but he needs the, you know, he says it, that I need somebody who will do some evil for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still think that like, it doesn't totally work for me. John seems like such a man who wants everything in line that Beth is so much of a, an agent of chaos that it like, she's very erratic. Yeah. Yeah. It it doesn't jive well for me, but I do feel like the more we've seen her in her job and the way that she is so capable, like she's going to take down, you know, she's, has all this information about how she's going to take down Dan Jenkins company. You can kind of start to see where like John sees, you know, the usefulness of, of her, which is, you know, kind of sad, but um, whatever. And I also do think it's interesting that, she, you know, it's it's not a carbon copy of John that he, you know, is ultimately the one that right now he has the closest relationship with. Right. Like this thing at the end where she's like, I'm going to sell the table. I think it is is an interesting dynamic to put between them, because I don't think they are people who are always going to get along. And that feels like, you know, he wants to. John wants to get along with his daughter, I think, A, because it's his daughter and B, because he like. He's telling Rip, like, I don't know that I left any of my children ready to to take over this mm-hmm. thing, right? Basically. Um, and Beth is like the one he kind of has right now. So yeah, I do think it's better than it was at the beginning. I feel like Beth at the beginning was was very tropey in a yes. way that I actually think that they do a good job of um at least um balancing her out by the end of the season. They, we do explore her depth, right? We look at like uh, the original wound and some of the trauma that's like informing the erratic behavior and like the self-medicating and all of it. But um, it is such a messy storyline. I just think it's fun to have juxtaposed against these tough, stern, like strong, silent type cowboys that we're looking at left and right everywhere. Mm-hmm. That is like so the opposite of that. It embodies the opposite of that, that it's really fun to see her. But I, I'm with you there on some of what you're talking about right in the sense that like it, it doesn't entirely align like i think the thing that beth does well uh that the boys don't necessarily do well is like this notion of obedience right like at the end of the day she will fight and argue with her dad but she's going to do what he tells her to do and that that's like part of why she's the only one sitting at the table here when we get to it at the end um we talk about like some uh, some storylines that maybe weren't satisfyingly concluded grace i know you've been like super Super high on the Casey Monica Tate uh, young family story through season one. Like, so we don't get a lot there, right? Like, ultimately, we have the fallout of like Casey fighting with the meth addict at the gas station, and mm-hmm. he's going to get brought back by the same like corrupt sheriff who's trying yes. to like hide evidence at the bear scene. Um, and then like Monica coming home and like just being really sad, and Tate like standing at the fence crying. It's really sad. Like, I've not uh, minced yeah. any words 
about like my affection for young Tate, but he made me like hurt. He made my heart hurt while he stood at the fence crying and upset his mom this week. Like, how, how are you feeling about how we close out all of this story for Casey, Monica, and Tate? Yeah, again, I think that this works better knowing that there's more TV show to be had. So yeah. the stuff with Monica that I thought I did think when her dad wheels her out and then wheels out her mom. And so her mom is standing there and basically like catatonic. And then her son is crying and she's like, dad, take me inside. He's like, let me know when you want to come inside. And almost immediately she's like, please bring me inside. And he like is not there. So she has to say it again. I thought that this was really interesting the powerlessness to which monica feels i think both it's pretty devastating yeah yeah both in her current situation but also just overall right i think she's like she's not with the man she seemingly loves because she knows that like that's a dangerous situation for her to to be in and for um her son and for her husband and so she's chose to like be apart from them and so i think it's like you know all of that overwhelms her in the moment it's pretty sad i think that the casey casey coming back and i really do like the scene where he's with his dad and his dad's like okay i'll move into the bunkhouse or i'll move no sorry i'll move into like the guest house and he's like so that you and monica and he's like no no she left me i'm gonna go stay in the bunkhouse i'm gonna stay with the cowboys and um i do like that i don't love so far i'll give it uh as much time as it needs to to win me over but this new is it avery this new um it is it's avery the stripper cowgirl like you know yes women empowerment all that stuff i feel like it's played in a way that you know and especially there's like eyes between casey and avery i feel like that i'm I, at least i'm clocking that i don't know if i, I clocked anywhere. those eyes yeah. all right great uh, yeah you know scared. you know i you know it's it's fine i i do like casey like you know there's a little bit of a reset and him being that's self-deprecating, but like, no, I got to stay in the, like I stay in the bunkhouse. Like I don't stay in the house. You know, I, I think that that's at least a compelling place to set us up heading into season two. It's not like a perfect, you know, I'm not like, Oh my gosh, look at these scenes. Yeah, but so I do amazing. think, yeah. yeah, it's fine. Yeah. 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 I guess I came away from it. Like this always felt like the most kind of floundered storyline to me. I just don't think it ends cleanly. Like we talked about it and I guess the episode eight recap, we obviously doubled up last week with seven and eight, but mm -hmm. where he, you know, the whole fallout around the hospital and he's outside in the rain and he just kind of stays there and she's like, Oh, you can't come back. Like there's just so much that's messy about the storyline of like, why did she have to get the head injury to get to the place of like losing her memories and then getting, them back all in one episode only to just be like i remember oh and by the way like we can't be together i just i feel like they really buried the lead here like the emotional through line of her being like look your dad's a dangerous man your relationship with your like family is going to put our son in danger that's a really simple idea and i feel like they just jumped over we like went through a kind of like crazy rube goldberg machine to get here grace and we have like lost the messaging of little bit in a way that at least i feel that when we come to the end like there's just so much literal over the top ridiculous drama that has occurred with these guys that like it's easy to miss the emotional context for like the you know the kidnapping and the meth dealers and the the like assaults at the gas pump and like all of it there's just a lot of unnecessary drama in that one yeah well, I feel like maybe it's the fact that like we then by the end of it, it's just like we're but like they're both just sort of like 
on their own. Like we don't get any scenes together. Like I do think, you know, I do think the Monica scene of her being so helpless in the moment is interesting, like is compelling. And then I do think the scene with Casey and his dad is interesting, but there's such a central part of the, like basically first, like, four episodes like the joke is right that casey kills somebody in the first like four episodes of the show the end of the first episode is i feel like that actually to me is a piece that is the fact that we're sort of like skimming over the fact that he kills her brother to me is like the biggest it's a little bit of a miss right i'm with you because i think they both have individually like really strong scenes to close this out i just think like there's so much nonsense that they've both been through that it's easy to overlook that this is at the heart of what's really the problem here right and and just how like at least for casey just how like erratic he is is like the fact that he's not like i think like fighting harder for for this i think is another thing you know, that I think is not working for me. That doesn't really, you know, I know I've only spent nine episodes with Casey and I, I really like, I, th- these are like, other than John, Casey and Monica were the thing that like, I was like, this is, I'm most interested in this. Um, And so, but that's because there's like so much set up here that like, I feel like, oh, there's so much to mine here about how complicated this relationship is. And it kind of just is like, yeah, we can't be together. And they're both like, okay. And then they both moving <laughs> they on. both go home, <laughs> Yeah, which I mean, you know, Knowing that there's more to the show, it's fine, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Um, that's your favorite stuff outside of John Dutton. Let's talk about my favorite character outside of John Dutton. That's Jimmy Grace. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy is just such a dipshit. I love Jimmy like falling off the horse. I know like the Jimmy through line is not a thing that has brought you like even a fraction of the kind of joy it brings me. Yeah. Like, going back to this show, every time I end up rewatching it, I love Jimmy more and more. I'm like, what a dipshit this kid is. <laughs> Doesn't know his horse's name. I do like there's a moment this episode where he gets knocked off his horse. No, he uh does he anyway, and he's like, Where's my hat? He ropes and it's the right cow, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, Where's my hat? And it's right beside him is very funny. Yeah. It's very good. Uh, it's very stupid, but I really do like Jimmy uh, and like the nonsensical like sidebar of like Jimmy and the Cowboys. Like Jimmy is like doesn't remember the horses. They have Jimmy now like freaking out that he's created bad luck by putting yeah. the hat on the bad grace. Like yeah. this is a whole situation for him, you know. Um, so the Avery piece here, like Rip goes to Avery to like recruit her basically, right? He's mm-hmm. going to like use her and it's kind of like an exchange fundamentally where he's going to get her this job at the ranch she's like look i'm I'm doing like horse work i'm working as like a horse handler i'm working as a ranch hand like this is all like supplemental income give me a real job so he's gonna presumably give her this real job for spying on thomas and dan um well like i guess we'll see where that goes but you just uh like we don't love avery confronting the cowboys of like don't be doing anything weird and by the way you all see my ass anyway like i know you hang out at the strip club yeah, I mean, I I don't really hate it. I just like it, it's it's that it's in the finale. I think that for me is like it's like it's a pretty big like thing. I think to throw and you know I, I like I want to make sure I'm like saying this without feeling like I, I'm trying to like put my my finger on why it maybe what's didn't not exactly working work for me. because yeah. in a way it's like very like you know female empowerment to a degree that I just don't know that that's actually like 
maybe how female empowerment always <laughs> it's kind of like a dude riding female empowerment i you that is very a, much feel that energy right i'm like look at this strong tough stripper i really felt it when yeah. we like edit out from like i think we're coming like right out of like one of the scenes with jamie or like beth confronting somebody yeah. into the strip club and we yeah. have like a really like kind of lingering like setup to get to like rip in the strip club and it's a little like what are we doing here man <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. is going on you know um yeah. i get i get where you're coming from like it's kind of surreal to introduce this new character in the 11th hour of the finale and uh you know it's for like a plot point so like i get it honestly i don't even remember like uh, where we're going mm. from here so i'm curious to see like what season two looks like and how this right. is gonna all like play out moving forward yeah 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 we'll see it's at least something it's closer to not you know it's closer to feminism than not feminism so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. let's talk about like sarah nugan and the the jamie bit a little bit like this is another one of like these storylines that like it just was a little bit obfuscated to us as viewers what the hell is going on with sarah and her girlfriend when they first show up like it's not super clear it's seemingly these women are just here on vacation and sarah nugan like reads an article and gets interested and decides mm -hmm. then to write an article that we don't find out about until later and like now she has infiltrated jamie's campaign office as an undercover reporter and now is going to confront him like how are you feeling about all of this this is finally where we get clarity on what's going on and she's like look i'm going to write this big article it's going to be the takedown piece of the century on your dad and either i can take you down with him or you can like contribute there's a point in the exchange grace where they're like uh the campaign manager whose name i always forget is like this is blackmail and sarah says that's not blackmail for blackmail i have to ask you something all i'm asking you is to tell me the truth that i'm like i think you just asked them for something it may not be like yeah. very very like good blackmail it's not like the most profitable blackmail but like you literally said uh, no i'd have to ask you for something let me ask you for this uh yeah. no, not, i don't think it's really bad i mean it's i just, know it's it's, yeah um yeah, it's it's fine. I do think like there is again adding another sort of external threat to to John Dutton in the form of like a journal, like a hit piece. I think is um, it, you know, whether or not it's a hit piece because if it's going to be true or whatever, I, I don't know. If the hit piece has to be uh, false, but uh, yeah, I mean it's something, and I do, I do, I just I don't really find Jamie likable at all. So I mean, because he says this whole thing. Not. Yeah. yeah, he says this whole thing is like, I'm not in politics to help people. I'm into like ob obtain power. And I I just feel like there's been no counterpoint to Jamie in a way that I feel like a lot of the characters have like John Dutton. I'm like compelled by John Dutton and rooting for John because I've like seen him, you know, these other sides of him. I just feel like I haven't seen the other side of Jamie to really feel like I'm rooting for him. And I feel like in this essence, I mean, maybe I don't, maybe I'm not so super rooting for him because I am rooting for John. So I don't. I'm not rooting for Jamie to be part mm -hmm. of the the journalism piece. I mean, it is interesting that like John shoves Jamie away and then potentially he's going to be part like that. Like, you know, if he was endorsing his run for attorney general, he's probably not. He's definitely not doing the interview. No. So the fact that that's there, it, it's fine. Again, it feels very like set up for another season instead of con conclusive. Right. So I think that that's maybe my biggest hang up with it that it's like you know the cliffhanger is like is it gonna do and then he obviously like does choose to go and do it basically but you know that the threat is like lingering here rather than feeling like it's some sort of i mean maybe that is the arc for the season is like being pushed away and being 
like really the, he, he's basically enemies. yeah he's basically the i mean um you know his uh the oldest son dies but jamie's like the you know doing the dirty work for his father i'm he, the eldest even, boy yeah, yeah and by the end of it he's the most on the outs right casey's back yes. and is back so you know something yeah. And it's this other dynamic, right? Where like he's gone this route. He's the most like atypical of the cowboys, right? He yeah. and Beth like share this energy of these like metropolitan contemporary people, right? Um, but but he's like also been in it the whole time. Casey is not like Casey's gone off. Casey signed up. He's a he's a veteran. Yeah. He was overseas serving in the military. He's come back and like pursued his own family and really kept his dad at arm's length. So the dynamic that like both these things are true like in jamie's mind he sacrificed a lot he stayed in montana he's right. like pursued this whole career to be here to help the ranch but right. at the same time like we you know we get the scene of him with the one ranch guy he comes out of the bar and he's gonna give like 20 dollars to this old man that he's like oh you're a day worker huh you're between work this is a thing that like i've experienced a lot in agriculture like working in the various agricultural industries over the years where like you have a lot of seasonal employment and it's a major issue for a lot of people that make what amounts to a pittance during like a very short period of time during the year and have to live off that during the interim right so there's a real awareness of that at least in the community and the, and the idea that jamie like offers this guy the twenty dollars and the guy is like f you man i don't need your effing money like you know what that tie is that's like the leash that your master cut because he knows you're not going to run away from him uh that's like a very on the nose metaphor for what's going on there but i did really appreciate that they add that scene in like jamie thinking that he's white knighting for everybody grace like he's mm -hmm. gonna white knight for this day worker who like needs his money and this guy's like like could not want the help less from somebody mm -hmm. that like is looking down their nose at him the way that he feels like jamie is whether that's accurate or not whether jamie really is like evaluating himself as like better than this man or genuinely trying to help he comes off as like a pretentious guy and so mm -hmm. people in this community just are not receptive to it am mm -hmm. i like over indexing on one really small scene no no i think that's no, that's the fun that's that's how we podcast right yeah yeah, it's like one that scene. Is kind of the fun. Yeah. That is kind of what we do here, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. There's a lot of other like little moving pieces here. Is there anything else like mm. leaping out at you we, we in the finale really... that you wanted to get? I out? mean, we didn't talk about the Dan Jenkins scene. We, well, like, we did. About yeah, we I like, wanted to like circle back at this for yeah. like the end of like the definitive. Like, do you have a thought here? We didn't. I just want to make sure I'm not missing any other like uh, little little stuff along the way. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, so the Dan Jenkins scene, Grace. I it really I was stunned by it. I kind of I thought that they you know, I thought it was like fully I just wasn't expecting to lose uh to lose him here. Uh in, in so the just like clarity, you're coming away a hundred percent like they killed him, right? They hung his yeah. ass like he's definitely dead, right? Oh wow, I hadn't even thought that like he wasn't he wasn't I mean, dead. did he die on screen is the question? Like, well, I don't know, we're TV watchers. Like mm -hmm. they they kind of he kind of seemed like he did, but did he? Oh man, if he's not dead, I don't like that. So uh, I feel like this is like one of like other than Long Black Train, this is like this is like a badass Yellowstone cowboy moment of like oh yeah it is. And yeah. so if he's not dead, I don't I don't like that at all because I like part of me is like oh like you know they they have him there and he tells everything and I'm like wow that's really good interrogation now they'll let him go and then Casey's like nah 
hang him. <laughs> they hang him. It's brutal. I think that he's not the most important character, but it's a character who I think, like I talked about the stuff with Beth that's happening and Thomas certainly has like authority in terms of like, he's the chief of his tribe and he's heavily associated with Dan. He has this whole plan to give Dan, um, like, I don't know whether the, has the land been given, like, is he officially signed over the land or whatever? Like, I feel like it is, it's interesting in the sense of where it like leaves both parties in terms of Dan being on the other side, if he is dead. Um, the, and I just think it's more interesting if he's dead than if he's not dead. And obviously I feel like a lot of people are listening to this knowing what happens. So uh, forgive me, but if he's not dead, that to me is way less interesting in terms of like, I guess they know how dangerous John is, but they can just kind of like potentially keep going with the plan. Whereas, and I mean, I guess the Beth stuff, right? Like the taking over his company, maybe they can't, but I feel like it puts the show, like um, I was just talking to um, Jess and I interviewed uh, the showrunner for a show called Wolf Like Me, which is like a 22 minute comedy show uh, on Peacock. But he said he loves painting himself into corners. He, he's most impressed with a show called Breaking Bad that would constantly paint itself into a corner. It's the Vince Gilligan special of like, they had no clue what they were going to do with that big old machine gun in the final season. Right. That's the anecdote. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love this. Cause I feel like this is so messy to kill Dan in like, in terms of, does it mess up Beth's plan to mm -hmm. overtake Dan's company? It certainly messes up Thomas's plan um, to get the land from, from Dan. Um, it's like really messy. The fact that the Yellowstone people killed Dan, right? Like all, I mm -hmm. feel like it's so messy that that's what I really was the most intrigued by this moment that I really like, it's not that I don't expect you know that i just i guess i don't expect this to happen so i'm like i feel like this is is so good and so strong and my favorite part of the finale so if we show up in season two and dan jenkins is still around i i You're think i'll be pretty be, pissed i'm gonna be pretty yeah. annoyed yeah I'm i don't blame you and i honestly uh i don't mean to like be indicating one way or another like for me it just seemed like clear within the context of the scene we get right um these guys go hard but dan jenkins is like oh I mean, like, we've literally identified him as like a California billionaire, Grace, you know, yeah. he's as much as like all his money is leveraged and he's double mortgaged his house. Like he talks very kind of casually about it along the way. He had a lot to do with like the California lottery. This guy's like big money. He's not the kind of person like, you know, arbitrary ranch hand red that we can like vanish off of a cliff and nobody's going to come asking any questions. Right. Part of the thing that I think the implication with like Walker and Rip and the brand and like criminals get this is like, you know, this is a really terrible part of society, but it's about like people that are the, the kind of like least equipped at the fringes of society that are the most exploited. Right. Because there's like less resources to like um, support them and attract them and all this kind of stuff. So, so the Dan, like the idea of vanishing Dan Jenkins of killing his ass out in the mountains here is really terrifying and, and like a big step, I think for the ranch, but we have John Dutton telling Rip, like, I need this all to like go away and never come back before I'm dead. I need mm -hmm. this like resolved because my kids are never going to be able to unpack this. And Rip's a hard bastard, right? But in that final scene, we have Rip like, okay, cut him down. And Jamie's like, nah. nah. And Jamie's like on the unhinged, like down. I know that's what I like it. I like right? that too because it's going to create conflict, I think, between John and Casey, I think, too. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, guess all of this still can be true if Dan's not dead, but. 
Boy, I really want Dan to be dead. I, I ask the question only because of like, you know, as discerning TV viewers, like we definitely don't get the lingering shot of like the crows picking out his eyes. Like we mm. knew the bear was dead. The wolves came and ate the bear, you know, um, mm. we have not like gotten that like, oh, look, look at Dan Jenkins. Like, look at them burying him. Look at them like feeding him to the wolves or whatever it is. We just caught away and like, that's where we're going to leave it. So we'll see yeah. what happens. I did think it was a really bold choice. I always forget this. And Danny Houston does like he gives such a good performance of like mm-hmm. just scared metropolitan guy on a horse. <laughs> like, he gets mad. He's trying to threaten them. Then he's scared. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's good. yeah. It's a really good uh, yeah. evolution through that whole moment. That's season one of Yellowstone, Grace. Uh, there we yeah. go. We did it. We covered yeah. a season of Yellowstone four yeah. more ago. As I said, it's. Uh, I feel like they're the highs and lows in the finale. I do, and and part of me even feels like the lows are fine because I don't have to wait like, you know, a year to get another season of this show in a way that I want my season to be, you know, I feel like it's interesting. Cause like this is yeah. Five season show. And so if the stuff that doesn't get wrapped up here, there's still time for it to get wrapped up. So it's not quite the same as like one conclusive season of TV, but in a way you're like, you go into a finale expecting a finale, I think to a degree. And yeah. that, that always comes with the expectation of, you know, the other thing that was really interesting talking with the um, the director of, of Wolf Like Me, we asked him because he ends on a cliffhanger and we were like, isn't your season isn't renewed? Isn't that in, isn't that interesting? You, 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 you know, you you went out on a cliff or whatever, you know, and uh, and he's like, I think you have to. That's the best storytelling. So in a way, I think the idea of like trying to wrap your thing up narratively. And, you know, it's a little silly because I know the season is four more seasons of the show. Plus, mm-hmm. uh, potentially, or no, the fifth season is going to be the end. We've we've seen half of the, the, fir- the first half of the fifth season is out. Yeah, but, but like the other half's not coming back because of weird contract negotiations yeah, 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 yeah. and like John Duttoning and Kevin Costner. It's a very complicated situation. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but nevertheless, like. They don't really need to wrap up stuff at the end nope. of season one. They they nope. have they know they have more runway and they knew they had they had it at the time, I presume. So, you know, it is what it is. So my critiques are, you know, I feel like lessened because I know there's more to come. So yeah. yeah, it's part of the nature of TV storytelling, I think, as compared to other things. Like we started the podcast and I'm talking about uh, you know, into the spider-verse or across the spider-verse rather as a film. I think with films, it's a really different sort of expectation, right? Uh people like don't anticipate being left on a cliffhanger, but certainly in this like modern day and age, you are trying to create connective tissue and you want to generate interest for whatever the next thing is. I do think sometimes it gets in the way of the good storytelling. I think like sometimes creating that like uh, that off ramp that leads to the next project like actually dominates the storytelling of the show and that's not the case with the Yellowstone season one um, I know a lot of people really love this show I think there's a lot to like enjoy with it I know I've had fun talking through it this season with you Grace and like yeah. throwing my soap opera darts like it's really I think a little bit nonsense but it's a very fun time if you could like onboard yourself to the nonsense of it all um, and yeah you gotta love like a good badass cowboy any day of the week at least i do so and we had questions about whether cbs you know the writer strike is over obviously the actor strike still ongoing i think they're gonna they're gonna i think they're gonna do the whole thing here um uh, next sunday they'll have the premiere of season two uh scheduled for uh 9 p.m on sunday october 29th a thundering and then the week after they have two episodes planned so they're doing season two episodes two and three so i think they're just trying to like wherever they can sort of like 
fill, fill in. in. Well, yeah, sure. Um, the idea that like this was one episode every week, uh, certainly I don't think is the case. I don't think we'll ever get more than two, um, at least while not while Big Brother is on, because it seems like they're basically filling like the 8 and 9 p.m. Sunday night slots. A lot but, of reality yeah. TV this fall as we're dealing mm-hmm. with the strikes. Yeah, uh, Big Fat Survivor episodes of Big Brother coming. We'll see. We're going to be matching our coverage along with CBS. We're going to uh, be trying to make sure that we got all the podcasts coming. You can catch them every Monday after the episodes have aired on Sunday night on CBS. I do think it's a wise choice for them, uh, regardless of their ability to go forth with the Yellowstone proper as a show after this. There's a whole interconnected Sheridan kind of universe that has happened on TV over the course of the last three years, five mm-hmm. years, I should say. Uh, you got 1883, you got 1983, uh, you got Tulsa King, and then there's this McConaughey project coming out. I keep forgetting if it's got a name attached to it. It doesn't. It it's Untitled not. McConaughey Project. Right. The Untitled McConaughey Sheridan joint. Uh, I wonder if McConaughey is going to be at your Thanksgiving with your dad telling well, or your you know I actually did no I did hear a rumor that they're um they are I've heard you know a lot of people think that this show is a right wing show right right so this has a little bit of right wing I've cool heard news. that yeah so I think the show is gonna be called all rat all rat all rat all right all right all right all right all right all right wing all, is that right all right all right all right wing <laughs> <laughs> I can't I wait think, until we get to cover the McConaughey show because I will not. I, I think I'll do that full thing. I'm a McConaughey, McConaughey is a, a criminally underappreciated performer. That guy yeah, is a agree, smooth man. actor yeah. right there, man. Um, I am excited for wherever this coverage is going to take us, but where it's at least going to take us is back next week where we'll be talking about season two. Grace, until then, uh, where are you going to be at? Where can people find you? Oh, lots of stuff. You and I are uh, continuing the fall of Rome. By the time people are listening to this, if you're listening in in real time i think we have about a week and two days left of that um we're also covering tales from the loop uh with ariel ariel and i are covering movies each week uh big week killers of the flower moon dropped uh this friday a three and a half epic that i think is pretty much a masterpiece so i'm very excited to talk about it ariel and i talking about the morning show as well, and I'm talking our flag means death. And Jess Sterling and I are doing full spoiler recaps. This week we'll have a show, Rich, called Bodies, which is getting a lot of comparisons to one dark. So I'm very excited to chat about that. You and Ariel will be joining me for the show that we're going to cover the week after. So I got, I'm watching lots of TV. I'm on social media at High From Grace. I am at DM Philly. My DMs are open on Twitter. You can catch me on Twitch and on YouTube playing a bunch of tabletop role-playing games with my friends like Grace. I'm talking about all that aforementioned stuff that you mentioned. I'm breaking down The Winter King, a new series streaming over on MGM. I'm talking about Burroughs End with the great Dr. Melissa Woodward, uh, Dropout TV, Dimension 20 coverage. Uh, uh, Gosh, what else? I don't know. I don't remember. I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. Go follow me. I'm sure you will find out what it is as I am doing it. That is season one of Yellowstone. We will be back next week, but until then, just remember, don't ride out into the woods with a bunch of strange cowboys. They'll leave you hanging on a branch. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.